Hello everyone and welcome back to Quarter Life Crisis Radio. Uh, This is our mental health podcast where we chat about all aspects of life through a lens of mental health awareness. Uh, In this episode, I'm joined by Peter once again, if you want to say hi. Hello all. And also two lovely boys about, and we're chatting about universities and finishing school and all of that. So if you guys want to introduce yourself and maybe tell us a bit about your background. Hi, I'm Lewis. I just finished my A-levels and I'm now taking a so-called gap year. Um, but I'm I'm looking to go into carpentry and maybe a bit of hobby voice acting. Don't know where that's going to take me, but I'm not planning on going to university at least anytime soon. I'm John. I have also finished my A-levels. I am, however, planning to go to university to do history at Edinburgh. I don't know what I'm going to do after that, but I probably have as much to do as Lewis. um now obviously this is a mental health podcast so we're going to chat about uh exams and finishing school and applications and things through that lens now I wanted to ask you guys or Lewis specifically what gave you the courage to take the leap to say no I'm not going to go to university so I'll, I'll take that snippet of just after finishing uh, our ASs going into the summer holidays um, I started to uh, go to some open days at universities and stuff and realized that university didn't really seem like something I would enjoy. Can I ask what it was about university that that put you off? I'll be entirely honest I don't think I've analyzed that enough to give a clear answer other than just generally in total encompassing all of the atmosphere that all the universities were giving off and my sister's uh, stories about university and social life at unis, all of it sounded and seemed just off. I don't. I, I would need to analyse it to get the the details of what it is that I don't it's like just, about it. But it's not your vibe. Exactly. A lot of them, um, for example, um, I, I don't want to be calling out these universities as bad universities, but a couple of the... Uh, city universities felt that the campus was still fairly compact and it it just gave me that same idea that school did did so it, it felt sure. too much like continuing school life which i say exactly the same thing right i wanted to get away from that you know i was constantly geared to to towards um getting away from the education system because i started you know, to to dislike it for reasons we might or might not mention. But yeah, so I, I I was getting this feeling to get away from school life. And then I started to look at universities thinking this might be a bit different from school life and I might enjoy it a bit more, a bit, bit more free. And then the more and more I looked at them and heard about them, I thought this is just more of the same. And I, don't, I didn't want that. So um, that's that then gave me the idea of how about I don't go to university? And then the courage that made me say something about it uh, came mainly from just conversations with my dad because he's a, he, he, he's very talkative. Um, so he definitely um, wanted to get all the information out of me as possible, uh, as much as possible, rather. And so after lots and lots of hours of com- conversation with him, I started to hint to him and tell him 
I don't think uni's for me. And then he started to, you know, tell me to think about it a bit more. And that's when I became more familiar with the idea and was more open to telling other people about it. The the alternatives to university. Mm -hmm. And John, obviously you're taking a more traditional pathway and you're going to university to study history, if I'm not mistaken. And did you ever question that decision to go to university or was it always kind of the next thing on your list to do? It wasn't. It's sort of odd, which is university is a thing I'm doing because I feel like it's right. But it's if I screw up in August and don't get my results, I'm probably not going to go to university at all. It's one of the things that I'm going to do this. And if I can't do this, I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm going to try something else. I'm going to roll through. It wasn't. I didn't think I'd like to go to university in year 10. It was like, I guess I guess I will. It was sort of going through the motions a bit. I'm not yeah. one of those people who's like, university will be what I do and I will use every single moment properly. It's a, it's not the be, it isn't the be-all and end-all. And I think that's sometimes the problem schools have when they leave this impact on you that the last two years of your life are about getting into, of your school life, are mm-hmm. about getting into university. Mm-hmm. And you it just builds on the stress that this is what you have to do. And you don't realise that there's a bit, there's more to the getting into university and that the... Yeah, that there's more to life. There's more to life than getting into university. Yeah. Is that and I think what's a, what's a good pointer of that, a good, good piece of evidence is uh, that everyone in the year group at our school constantly got... Uh, emails to you know to everyone it was a sort of all everyone in the year group got the same email of um of UCAS related things and it was always said in these emails that they you know they were marked as important emails and whatever else and everyone was getting the same you need to fill out your UCAS information you need to do this you need to do that your you know, it was like UCAS is the the only thing. It's the be all end all. That's that's all these two years are for is UCAS, 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 right? As someone who wasn't applying for UCAS, how does that that must isolate you in some kind of way? How does that make you feel when you're reading that and then realizing that actually that doesn't apply to me, but that's what they expect? So yeah, it it's it definitely because at this point I had already or I've, at least. Later on, I had already realized that I'm in a very, very, very small minority of people in the year group who 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 are doing this, if not the only one. Um, I, I'd already realized that, but it's definitely a bit... It did get to me every now and then when, you know, when I got these emails and... Um, there was a period where there'd be conversations where a teacher, a teacher or someone would go up to Lewis and go, so have you heard about from UCAS yet? And Lewis would go, I, I didn't apply. Yeah, exactly. Teachers or the person would just sort of go, oh, oh so you're taking a gap here. And you go, you go <laughs> no. no. And it's sort of be a, oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It was, exactly. It's a, it's a, it is, you're quite right. It is quite a isolating, alienating uh, experience. Um, so something that I have experienced which kind of touches on this is that in my decision at the moment on whether or not I want to go back to university I rationally know that there are lots of alternatives out there and I rationally know that I could probably get a quite good job because I've got a good CV regardless of whether I get a degree or not but when I start sort of thinking about it too much the anxiety really kicks in because I 
I then have to question my own thoughts because it's been drilled into my me my whole life that university is is the next step and you have to have a degree and there is always that kind of teacher's voice in the back of your head that's going oh uh but you should get a degree and so then you just you go back and forth between knowing that you're probably going to be okay but then someone some authority or some outer voice saying actually no (laughs) yeah exactly and it's weird because the schools don't the schools are the worst at that and that's my uh, that's why i really don't like how they handle it it's just like it's congratulations you've gone to year 12 you've got through year 11 you're now picking your a-level choices what does this mean sir well this is what you'll do at university yeah 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 and it's that's that's what they are to you it's really they're not much more than this is aside what you'll do when in a couple of years when you do university degrees it's not what interests you because frankly a politics course is the least interesting thing invented on the planet (laughs) but you might get up you might apply for ppe if you do it right but also there's this sort of while most people that I would talk to about it would say, oh, no, yeah, I, I think apprenticeship, you know, apprenticeships are a great idea or, you know, going into a, a thing which doesn't require a degree like carpentry, you know, oh, wow. Yeah. England, England needs more craftsmen, I think. So you know, we, we need more of you. Yeah, well done. It's like they're, they're trying really hard to sound supportive, but you can tell that they're exactly. not really and it builds, it builds feeling up it. this voice, which is exactly what you were talking about. Builds up this voice in the back of your mind saying, you know, oh, well, if you don't have a degree, then that's it. You know, what are you going to do? You, you, you won't get a job. You're going to be right. sitting in your... I'm going to be homeless. Know. I'm not going to have any money. <laughs> exactly. Well, no one says that. And I don't have any specific memory of anyone saying without a degree you're doomed there is that built up compound message in the back of your head I mean, yeah, there was yeah. this weird moment when i used to i used to go see my granddad like once or twice a week god rest him and there was one point it was about when you said that you weren't sure and i was talking to him about that and i went i'm not sure what he'll do and my granddad just went he'll be fine yeah he'll be yeah. fine he'll get something done he doesn't need a degree to get something done yeah. i didn't need one your your father barely needs yeah. one it's it's quite it is such a recent phenomenon that you have to go to school to have to go to university to have to get a what will ultimately be quite a shoddy right, grad right. job and then you'll do that for a few years right. then you'll find your vocation there's something to be said for at the age of 18 going you know what i don't need to waste another three four years right. of my life pursuing academia when i know i want to do carpentry or voice acting or theater or anything like that and you it's we live in a society at the moment that doesn't that is so singular minded and single track that it's difficult to be linear yeah linear is the word i was avoiding finding in my head but yeah just so linear that there is no flexibility at all and and that just i, I can't have a positive it's sort of you spend anyone's mental health your, your sort of school life doing exams oh. like I'll, when this is done i've done all the exams i'll never have to do exams again and you've put out the mind the fact you're going to go to university and do more exams <laughs> And then, and then if you come out and say, and then my friends have got jobs that require them to take exams professionally. Yeah. And then it's yeah. the people going, oh, I'll do a law conversion. I'm like, that's just more exams. <laughs> I'm doing a law conversion. Please don't judge. <laughs> I want to ask, <laughs> I want to ask, talking about it now, you sound like you're quite confident with your decision and, 
and not too worried about where it's going to take you. Mm -hmm. And I want to know, has it always been that case since you made the decision? Have you always felt, okay, this is great, I've decided? Or has there been any back and forth and maybe any challenges mentally around making that decision for yourself? Yes, yeah. So when it came up in the first place about a year ago, I... I was definitely questioning the idea and I while I am confident about it now and about a year ago I still had a fairly confident idea that no matter what it's generally going to be okay I'm gonna find myself something starting off especially talking to teachers about it and getting that same reaction of oh wow yeah that's great yeah we need more of that in this country it's, Between gritted teeth. Yeah, exactly. It's it <laughs> it definitely brings that sort of concern of, am I you know am I going into something which is you know has nothing on the other end? So yeah, I I definitely wasn't as confident as I am now, and that that did take some um some. It's also the school isn't very good at saying you can really do it unless you were applying to Oxbridge, <laughs> yeah. like unless you were one of those people who is going to be on the in the telegraph board as the chap who got into Oxbridge and is a decent human being they kind of were just like yeah you 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 go over there and decide how, what to do with your life yeah. we're going to stand over here with these four medicine students and be very proud of them and they're going to do all these talks whereas... yeah and it was confirmed at the end of the year when everyone got a chat with the headmaster at the end of the year and my chat with him was very it was very entertaining and lovely and you know he uh I hadn't even told him about the whole carpentry thing, but obviously as the headmaster, he knew about it. Yeah, he's a god. <laughs> but yeah, he said, uh, you know, pretty much the exact same line of, in this country, we, you know, oh yeah, we don't have enough craftsmen. I think that's an industry which is great for, you know, wow, yeah. You did not take you sincerely. And <laughs> exactly, I sort of, I in the conversation, I was very polite about it and took his words and whatever, but I, I was thinking... It's the exact same thing out of every teacher's mouth of, oh, wow, that's so great, but it's not what I've been telling you to do. You know? There is a certain, <laughs> like, they want you to do well. So there was, in my, uh, there was a point at which I was like, I'm going to be a teacher because there was this is general running joke with me, which is I will be a teacher. That's the running joke for all history students, though, to be oh, fair. Name drop, name drop. I, I'll be a teacher at the school <laughs> in 20... But you, you say it as like it's a joke for all history students. I just get it when I talk to random people. They're like, you're going to be a teacher, John. <laughs> I'm in my master's interview. And he said, you know what, John, if you came back here in 20 years and offer you a job, and I'm like, are you having a go at me? <laughs> or are you saying that if you came back here in 20 years and asked for a job, you failed? Yeah. <laughs> but how do you, that kind of, we're kind of joking around the issue here, which is the, the kind of linear progression. There's that expectation built on you. And if you're not, if you're not the Oxford student, you're a separate tier of person and if you're not going to i assume it's the same with the russell group if you don't go to a russell group then there's a certain level of oh that's not as important right, right, and then yeah, lewis yeah. i'm sure you'll have felt this the worst just because of the decision that you've made not to go that it's almost like tiering it's like separating classes of citizens within within the school and that how, how did you first of all first question is that assumption the correct assumption and second of all how did you deal with that from the start i um even before i made the decision not to go to university at least anytime soon i was already very much trying to convince people excuse me 
that you know uh, the whole Oxbridge Russell group thing is is really a you know it's it's uh... a lot of old bullshit. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to find a way to say it, not rude. But yes, I I I was very much a, um, an advocate of go for the university that you think you like instead of the one which is has higher ratings. For example, right, you look at this. I think it's it's uh, the Times or I think it's the Times one, isn't the it? Times with the, with all the uh, universities and their statistics and everything. And I all the top ones like Oxbridge um, and Imperial University and stuff like that, they were great with their ratings. And then you look into it a bit deeper and they have statistics like, uh, you know, student satisfaction and stuff. Dropout rate. And dropout rate and stuff like that. And Imperial for engineering was way above anyone else with huge engineering ratings. And then you looked at the dropout rate and the student satisfaction and it was 20% below everyone else. And you're thinking, you know, bloody hell, I don't want to go there. That's... And then, but because if you make the decision based on that student satisfaction rating that I don't want to go to Imperial, I want to go to Bristol or something, then oh. you're going to get you're you're while you may not have someone telling you, oh, you should have gone to Imperial instead of Bristol, you will get a feeling of of pressure uh, from from uh, I mean, teachers going, oh, you're not going for Imperial. Oh, that's a shame. You know. This is the issue with the message that schools put out, I feel, because they don't encourage you to follow your passion. They encourage you to follow what you're good at and what would make them look good. Maybe that's me being cynical. No, that's but for, for example, yeah. if yeah. you're a sort of biology and chemistry student and you show some interest in healthcare, the medicine route will be all roots sorry i'm half american the medicine route will be really pushed upon you and any of the other alternatives like i don't know pharmacology or midwifery or nursing would be seen as less than uh even though that's maybe entirely what i want to do and pharmacology might be my dream but medicine is like this gold standard of yeah if if you go to one of those other directions of let's say if you go into uh, veterinary sciences or something then you'll you'll very quickly get this public idea of oh he's he's a bit of a medicine he's dropout a, eh? you know, right or, you know, she's a bit of a <laughs> what do you know. think the effect of that is on on how us as young people feel about our choices in life it's when i think it the effect is less with teachers it's, oh they're teachers they're old they don't care it's when it seeps down into your peers and you're, what the school is saying is so common mm. that your friends think about it. And mm, mm. So I had this instant, there was a sort of brief, like six week period where I was like, I could get to Cambridge, I guess. I, that'd be fun. And there was someone <laughs> who I, me and Lewis, don't particularly like very well. He said to me once, who did talk to me, did, doesn't particularly like me, only really, really talked to be horrible to each other. He went, you know, John, I really think you could get to Cambridge. And for about six weeks, he was fairly nice to me. And then he said, so are you coming to the Cambridge thing before term time? Like, well, I'm not really sure I'm going to get in. So I've decided I'm just going to take things easy. And I barely had a proper conversation with them since. Yeah, yeah. But part of that is the, the pressure that um, is due with it. Like you've, you've ruled out this, just to kind of play the devil's advocate here. We've kind of all been talking about how there's so much pressure to 
to follow that linear path and how we should also be considering alternative options. On the flip side of it, I think what happens there is that the pressure of attempting to get into a school like Cambridge can be off-putting. And having gone through the whole getting an offer and failing to get in thing, I know exactly how that feels. Is that a decision you're taking for your own mental health to not pursue that? I mean, I was like, Cambridge would be interesting. And I went to an open day and that was one of my suspicions because it was all these people who were incredibly driven and it was their lives were really about getting into that university and that was their be all and end all and that concerned me because I don't I find incredibly driven people to be slightly concerning it's like you don't have much of a bigger picture and it just seemed I could my mental health was not in a position then and probably isn't now to be surrounded by people who are that that driven towards right goals like right. that and it was that was sort of confirmed me when I realized that the kind of people who pushed through and got actually into Oxbridge in our for in our year aren't the kind of people who I'd really ever spend time with because they're just a bit <laughs> well, let's let's not yeah let's not, kind of, <laughs> let's not judge that not group judge of people them, but they're like but... they're clever they're brilliant people but it's also sort of like you've you don't think you look down on us but you sort of do right and but... it's it's difficult to to sympathize with with their problems exactly because that they're, they're so as he was saying they're so driven and whatever i'm i have nothing against people who are very driven i have huge respect for them but it's difficult when you're someone who doesn't have that same drive and you're trying to to go for the same goals as they are right or perhaps a drive for non-traditional things yeah right exactly so they have this this drive for something this target which has been set by by the school or parents or whatever else, and you want to go for this other target, you may have a huge drive for it or not, whatever it is, they're going for the goal which has been set. And immediately you have this disconnect of I I can't simp I can't I, I, I feel like a different group to them, right? Yeah. And at and that point already it's worse, don't you? Exactly. Like, and you feel like, awful when you're around them. I do remember yeah. there was we had the I, I know in IB you have like something, I can't remember what it's called, where you do like an es- an extended essay or some description. Yeah. yeah. Well, at that, our public school, they made us do our own one for no real reason. Mm. And I remember that Lewis did this, it was some topic like Earth with Rings, some physics topic, and he got really into it. And he basically did it all in a couple yes, of days. Yes, yes. And we were yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. this with someone, and someone went, shouldn't he be doing his personal statement? And I was uh. like, the first thing was, no, <laughs> why would... Why would you be doing oh, yes. a personal statement? But obviously that's what seemed important to them. So I think what we've what we've identified from this is that there's a big divide in our own minds and also in the kind of general psyche of society between mm. what we want to do in our passion in life and what we feel we should do because of how yes. life works mm. and how sort of how to kind of manipulate the system in your favor so that you can sort of do the best monetarily in life. Right. Right. And what do you think schools do to sort of reinforce that? And also how do you think that they could change in order to support these more non-traditional choices that you are making and I am sort of making as well? I think, I mean, our school is, I would say, not particularly good at finding a passion unless you want to do it yourself. So if you go there and say, I think I really like this thing, they'll push it all the way. But if you're like, mm. I'm not sure what I want to do, there aren't 
the the spectrum of thing of opportunities available to you within just let's take the upper our upper school mm. for example wasn't wide enough really to allow you to actually hit the point at which you know i really like this yeah so no the, exactly we were lucky because we've basically both known some what we wanted to do since gcscs at the very least mm. so you know i basically wanted to be dan snow since i saw dan snow on television <laughs> so i that was fair news i was going to do history i get to do this i i know what i'm doing and the school was great at great you go and do this you exactly. go to these yeah if you, you go found... to these talks you do these things you learn this stuff yeah and, but and if it's even if you know your passion but you were it's not something that's you know straight down the line like i'm fairly sure if you'd pressed a bit hard this isn't very like you mm. if you pressed about and said i really like woodwork yeah you'd have they'd have done something but you'd have had to have started oh, yeah. so early you'd have had to have convinced so many people mm. whereas me saying i really like history they can go great you're just like a hundred other people we've had over the last yeah. 10 years yeah. come and do all we know things. what to do with you yeah exactly yeah. exactly and they know- he's, he's got a very good point there about how if you don't really know what you want to do there is very little structure there uh for for you to, to help you to do that to help you they exactly you and they, they claim management degree <laughs> they claim that there is stuff and they they have these um what's they what they call liberal studies oh, which is essentially um you know uh subjects a bunch of... that aren't really on the curriculum but we can't we don't want you to teach you don't want to teach you because they don't help our grades yeah so uh, essentially it was like little subjects that um one on any any curriculum or anything and the teachers would just go you know what the kids might be interested in the uh let's say the 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 film industry so i'm gonna set up a liberal studies subject of spanish uh, film the point is is that the school wasn't good i mean it's a problem that's probably why it's because all schools which is that a passion being passionate about something that isn't a core subject doesn't get you anywhere and they're not very good at Mm. recognizing that Mm. and also not very good at encouraging you to find your passion if you don't know what it is exactly exactly that's that's i think the central point of this i mean i'll say if you didn't know what your passion is in year seven you'll find it by year 10 there's enough time there's enough going on that you'll figure it out right but if you come in at year nine or year 12 you're not going to figure it out in time yeah and And even then there there were plenty of people that i know that were you know in in you know midway through year 13 and they had no idea what they were and they were off to do what they're off to do like you know economics exactly and they would just go for management exactly they would just let the school system take them towards what the school thinks is success but no idea what they actually were passionate about but how does that but just to kind of bring this to uh close Mm -hmm. to the point of the podcast like how do you react to that as someone who is taking a unique pathway You've made that decision. How do how do your teachers react to that? How do they support you through that? Not your form tutors whose job is the pastoral care and you know they get paid to do that stuff, but the 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 kind of subject teachers who any good subject teacher will care about your pastoral care, but any subject teacher who's bothered about their grades or anything like that was I'm I'm sure they didn't react very well to you essentially ruining this. Right. Yeah. Um I think as I said, most of them would have that similar reaction of gritted teeth. Oh, wow, that's great. Oh, you're doing so well to find your own passion. But 
you yeah um but except for mr fairs who basically came out and said well lewis could do okay or he could not right and then just went back to teaching maths <laughs> but yeah essentially the the support that the individual subject teachers give you is very much oh that's great i'm so happy for you but for now let's just you know stick to this stick to you know german physics maths whatever let's just make sure that you do really well on this as a bit of a safety net and then you can worry about your passion later you know how does that affect you mentally yes so it it, that had a a pretty big effect on me um i i went through a a bit of a a sort of self-doubt um phase i guess if you will um quite close to the final exams actually and i uh because me as a person who needs to be motivated and interested to to do work um i was getting close to the exams and i was thinking you know at some point it's going to kick in and i'm going to be able to do some revision i'm going to be able to work for these exams um because uh, you know the fear is just going to kick in or something's going to kick in and i'm going to be able to work and then you know a couple of weeks away from the exams and it still hasn't nothing's kicked in and i'm not doing any work and i'm thinking am i you know i i don't have any motivation to to work on these things because there's nothing behind it other than a so-called safety net you know it was that's all that these exams were for me it was a safety net for if carpentry doesn't go well or if i find another interest that needs a a a university course because for me personally i don't want it's like for you Lewis or for you john but that that kind of lack of motivation can really start Mm. some quite dangerous spirals yeah yeah absolutely and i i I had about a, a week of 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 um what the gp was calling mild depression i i i think it it might have been but i yeah i I stayed away from school for a a solid week i stayed in bed um and did absolutely nothing essentially in denial thinking this whole exam process has been a complete waste for me because i won't be able to go through with it and they sort of the teacher sort of passed over you because it was like they didn't have the time because it was like well lewis they're like, Lewis we'll let him Lewis deal was, with it himself. Lewis wasn't yeah. in the classes to steal with. He isn't actually doing the exams. He'll be fine. And it was sort of like days where it sort of be a breakdown. I was like, I text you message saying, are you okay? You're going to come in yeah. today. And there was genuinely one day where, Lewis, go to a GP. Yeah. And uh, I'll put in one final thing of this example, which is just to increase this, the scale of it a bit. Um, the uh physics course the physics um curriculum yeah wasn't over yet there was there was still stuff to learn in physics where they, they hadn't finished the course which meant that i missed an entire topic of the curriculum and there was very 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 little support or motivation mm. to complete that bit of the course which meant when i came to the exam i essentially missed out an entire yes. part of the paper um and that was after i had already kind of con- thought that okay the you know physics physics is over for me i you know i'm going to fail whatever but point is i missed an entire topic of the curriculum purely because um of this of this lack of motivation to 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 continue p i want to also kind of ask, answer your question even though i know it wasn't directed at me um 
when I was taking my GCSEs, I was going through a really tough time personally. I, I had a few deaths in the family and I had some issues getting on with my parents like you did as well. Um, but, you know, it nothing nothing so dramatic that it would plunge me into the state that I ended up being in. But it got to the point where I didn't really care about any of the subjects I was doing because I didn't have any particularly motivational teachers. And I'm the same as you, Lewis, in the sense that I have to be really keen on the subject to want to put the work in. And I I did not work. I, I couldn't work. And it got to the point where my teachers actually called me into the office I'd never had a discussion with them at all before that really about my mental health and they pulled me into the office and I remember one of them saying oh you know the school feels like we can't handle you at the moment and maybe you need to look elsewhere for your education and it's like fucking hell I mean just uh just to answer my own question as well um if we're all answering the same question um (laughs) <laughs> Wait, it's engine. Um, it's for, for me like it's not that I didn't have a good relationship with my parents. I've always had, I've been always quite privileged and blessed to have a fairly significantly strong relationship with my parents. It's just uh, under times of particular stress, um, I shut out completely because of the pressure of you know let, potentially letting people down, and I think that comes from the linear focus that is put on young education so the when i started to have my serious panic attacks and actually start to exhibit uh consequences of the mental illness that i have um that was all as a result of the pressure i was putting on myself to get into university and you know the the first ever panic attack i had came off the back of I I can clearly uh, I can't tell you what happened during the panic attack because um, anyone who's had panic attacks will tell you they are, with the exception of perhaps getting stabbed or dying, one of the most terrifying things that you can go through. But I can distinctly remember my English teacher. God, God bless him. He's such a decent bloke, and anyone who knows the guy I'm talking about will will vouch for me on this. He's such a decent bloke. He does so much to help the students he works with. And he just gave me gave me an essay that I'd done under under exam conditions that I hadn't performed well in. Like it was it was a six, not a seven. Um, <clears throat> so you know, sorry, that's like the difference between an A star and a well, an A and an A star. And I just broke down, and and I was like, I started tearing up in the English class, you know. And he's like, "Oh, Pete, don't worry, it's you know, this is just exam stress. It's fine." And I walked straight back to house, straight up to my room, and broke and had no control over that whatsoever and it was all to do with the pressure of failing and and failing the linear track and there was no for me there was no alternative outside of that linear track it was get that seven or fail and be a disappointment even though my parents would never say that and never felt that that was the pressure that the kind of whole system puts on it yeah, uh, it's yeah. in the back of your mind. I yeah, think something yeah. interesting that we've all, that you all three of you have mentioned to is the effect that teachers have on your motivation during exam periods and during this pressure of going down the the line of it, which is that a good teacher can just 
make you realize that there's just a bit more than this exam. Whereas having teachers who aren't really that sort of, what's the word, invested in your exam results or in your future, totally, totally, totally screws with you. Because you're mm. like, well, he doesn't care and he's paid to be here. Right. And that that's something that gets me sometimes with my math teachers, because history and politics, I had great, there were subjects I was motivated for. They were teachers who were brilliant, who wanted to be there, who wanted to teach this course mm. to us and who were willing to talk outside of lessons about stuff. But maths, just it was the nature of the teacher, the nature of my relationship with math, which was a subject I will do right. to get a grade in. I think what what isn't emphasized enough is that the student teacher relationship is very kind of symbiotic and actually if the teacher makes it obvious that they don't care right. then what's going to give the students any kind of motivation to care themselves yeah. and i think what i've what i've noticed as well is that um especially on the topic of mental health teachers will very gladly um you know uh refer you to 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 the school counselor or or have a chat with you about mental health and uh why you're having certain feelings or certain issues but it's almost always incredibly temporary and they will you know beg you to go to the counselor or whatever and get help for yourself but they have to at some point they have to go back to just being yeah. your teacher right exactly and they don't they don't they don't think Hang on, maybe the uh, maybe the finish the point. Yeah, no, no, that's <laughs> they. Um, <laughs> they don't think maybe we need to change the way I need to change the way I'm I'm teaching this uh, student or whatever. They think okay, he's got anxiety or he's got depression or whatever. Let's get him some mental help, and then after that. To play devil's advocate, though, perhaps there's only so much that we can expect of our teachers to to sort of go above and beyond their job description like they're there to teach. And it's difficult because from a teacher's perspective, they sort of go through hundreds and hundreds of students through the course of their career, but we'll only ever have one GCSE history teacher. And so the impact that they have on us is a lot greater than the impact that we have on them. And so, you know... Mm -hmm. Can we blame them that much for for caring less than we do? Exactly. Right. No, and I think in the an solution is they're under as much stress as we are. I yeah. think that's something that also affects mental health. Is sometimes the exam stress of the teachers comes out on you. So my history teacher this year got promoted to head of history, having this is his fourth year at the school, and he's now head of history. And the every there were days when we were, our mental health would be affected because he was in a mood or he was under pressure so the week before the week of cambridge interviews we yeah. basically got nothing done because he was he was he had cracked basically so we cracked and i think yeah so and sometimes with teachers when teachers aren't in a good mood you just can't get anything done in the lesson right and as so as and you were saying screws with you yeah it being it being the teacher's fault and the teachers should uh you know improve the way they they teach people or help kids with mental health or whatever maybe yeah that's probably not it's quite the right as well approach to, to sort of encourage the teachers exactly so i i personally believe that there needs to be uh a much uh, there needs to be improvement of the in the in the structure of um keeping the students mentally healthy um, we've touched quite a lot on 
how schools sort of slip up when it comes to mental health support for their students. But what do you think could be done to improve that? And do you think that mental health education at schools is currently enough or how should that be different maybe? Um, So I personally uh, believe that mental health education definitely needs to be improved in in um school in the school system i think the same way uh sex education is becoming more and more common um i think yeah mental health education is a is a huge part uh of the education system which is missing and i having known many people with mental health health issues such as depression and anxiety and so on um and having been through both of those things myself um i it's it's such a a sort of it's an area which so many people either fear or ignore yeah it's still um, a taboo exactly it's completely um a taboo and it's it's you either see um, when depression or something comes, depression's a, a good example because um, it's when it's mentioned, either people will try to move the conversation immediately because it's, yeah. you know, it's a negative thing and we don't want to talk about it. Or um, it will turn into a sort of glorified thing. I'm seeing this a lot on social media recently as well, where depression is like, ah, oh, you know, d- d- depression uh the the depression life is where is where you uh do this and that and it's oh it's sad huh isn't depression so bad but then that's people posting it who don't know what depression is you know i think the result of a lack of mental health education is that our peers at school and our sort of even the teachers as well if they haven't experienced it and they also haven't been taught about it then they really don't know what to do or how to deal with you and so it becomes an even more isolating experience because not only can your friends not relate because maybe they haven't been through the same thing but they also have never been taught what it feels like and so they they really have no like academic or kind of logical basis to to kind of understand how to act around you and so <laughs> it's just this vicious cycle of ignorance that the, the, i mentioned earlier lewis the lewis's anxiety was the point we just couldn't come into school that yeah. week that week he was off there were a couple of because i basically there was if lewis is somewhere i'm not somewhere they asked the other person someone yeah. was constantly mentioned like so where's lewis and i'm like well he's his society's got a bit to him so he's not gonna he probably isn't gonna come in all week i don't know he'll whether we'll come in it's like well he's, he's describing he doesn't want to people just didn't get that yeah exactly didn't, couldn't face it sometimes i didn't know and, I just and lewis how, how um what effect did that have when you returned did you kind of get any shitty banter about you oh yeah of course yeah 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 i, <sighs> I, I that's just detrimental isn't exactly. it exactly yeah no it's um luckily i very quickly learned that that's just something that I had to get used to when coming back after a week of um, trying to deal with my emotions or whatever, I would always get these comments of, oh, no, you're just skiving, mate. Don't, you know, yeah. don't try and hide it. Shows it shows you no, who your friends are, right? Exactly. And it's, um, 
And you think, I, I often thought to myself, if this person, you know, just had a couple of uh really you know, cr- really 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 crap days exactly <laughs> they would know and all it takes is is a couple of uh lessons or something a couple of talks um with with the how not or something. to speak to someone yeah exactly <laughs> and it's it. yeah what um, they did what they do give us is it's they try they but they try but they don't they give us you get a talk with like here is what the it's sort of like a it's a slide presentation of here is what depression might look like. Here is how it might manifest yeah. itself. Here's what anxiety is. Here's, here's three easy steps to stopping it. And they don't. Come not, this steps, is how yeah. it feels. Yeah, exactly. They don't this talk about how touching, it feels. This is touching on something that uh, Lucy's friend Tati in our previous episode, which I'm sure you both listened to intently, um, was touching on in 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 a sense where she was essentially implying that, well, there's one thing talking about it and saying you're talking about it and thinking by doing that you're dealing with it and actually dealing with it so i yes, think what yes. your your guys are you guys are alluding to is is this case where oh we tick the box by presenting on depression and this is what you have to look out for to manage the feelings of depression but that's not that's not educating right that's it doesn't not help as well because sometimes i wonder sometimes i have these sort of moments of emptiness where i just sort of sit around and feel a bit numb and there's only a, there's only a couple of things i can do that stop it and i wonder is that is that something i should right. talk to someone and about and i is... don't i don't know what that is exactly it goes away after like half an hour I'm like okay i'm gonna go right. do some work and you have no idea what to call that what, what to, to do about it i just it. call it emptiness or numbness and i right i watch cartoons and it goes away <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> and that's yeah but i think i think it's also a similar story maybe this is a little bit of a off topic point but i think it's the the same story with sexual identity and in Mm, kind of in school education (laughs) is that they they talk about it um and they'll touch upon it and they'll say you know you can't say these things and this is uh not politically correct and you know this is how you should label people Mm. but they never actually talk about what it feels like Mm. to have that conflict and right. uh, be kind of figuring out who you are the in that sense. Our school was kind of okay with that. For some reason, they were very good at handling that issues of like, mm. like sexual identity or self-expression and like and that kind of thing, and you know, handling who you are as a person in every aspect, except for really like your passion and yeah. your mental health. Like they were very yeah. good, like allowing you to identify with things like you know who you are as a your or your it's like your origins and your ans and like who you are as a person like through your family and like your heritage but they Oops. and through your and through things like L, being diverse for lgbt things and other issues but when it comes to things like asking questions about who you want to be and how you're going to yeah. be there and how are you going to make sure that you're happy there they sort of ducked the question right i have yeah. a i have a uh, hopefully an interesting question though um for all of you including pete do you think that perhaps this is a result of uh, not only the school system but also the kind of british stiff upper lip culture oh, and def- maybe definitely. you know we're, saying, we're not in britain we we keep calm and carry on and yeah, we definitely. do the things the way they should be done and there isn't a focus on what makes you happy and 
um you know live and let live and i don't i don't talk about that as numb things a lot to people because this kind of like i just don't want to make a fuss it's not hurting anyone it goes away or like at Mm. school sometimes i hear people say pretty awful things and on the spot i'll tell them no you can't say that right shut it but i won't tell anyone else because it's like it's been resolved hopefully they won't say it again at least to my face yeah my my opinion on the matter is that this British idea of stiff upper lip and so on is an increase. It's 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 more and more of a reason for there to be better mental health education in our systems. Yeah. Because while I personally, I I do have mental health issues, and I I have had them in the past, and probably will have them in the future. I'm still very much an advocate of this British cultural stiff upper lip thing most of the time, all right? You've got to let I, it it's out very, at some point. It's very useful and yeah. it's very, you know, you gain a lot of respect from it and it's it's uh, it's but you it's can't great. keep you can't keep the mask up forever and I think that's Exactly. Yeah. You need to know where to see where you need to be able to distinguish a line between you know, I'm I'm sad today because something happened and i'm depressed depressed. yeah i mean it was weird there was a i was there was a weird bit earlier this year when i wasn't feeling particularly sort of happy with myself it was just and my grandfather wasn't particularly well but i wasn't telling anyone and i was just miserable for a good few weeks and everyone was like just cheer up john it'll be fine and then he Arrest him finally par if he passed away. And everyone just kind of backed off for a bit. We're like, okay, yeah. you be you be sad. And no one picked on me or was horrible or was like made a joke about it because we're like, oh, he's, he's dead. But to be honest, my mood hadn't changed. If anything, I was a bit like slightly lighter knowing that he was he was a bit more at peace mm. afterwards. Yeah. But everyone backed off and no one wanted to talk. Everyone and once again, no one wanted to talk about it. Yeah. They just were like, yeah. oh, we won't we won't be horrible to him. Right. That was the change. There wasn't a no one, no one. Wanted Which to chat essentially, about when you're in that position, it's it's not even it's not. Oh, we're not going to talk about that. It's we're going to not talk to him at all. It's gonna. It's yeah. it, it'll turn into. It's we'll like have a oh polite, shit, have a like this guy. And goodbye, and that's it. It was sort know? of like there are people who, for that week, my that's the conversations scared. went from mm. sort of talking around of stuff to just sorry, sorry for your loss, John. Yeah, so exactly. They just didn't talk to me. How's so, how's your day? You, okay, goodbye. What, that it's kind like of they thing. didn't know what to say. Yeah, but yeah. I think that we we continue to live in a society where vulnerability and being seen as having these perceived weaknesses mm. is a bad thing. Right, and so people don't want to talk about it, and people don't want to open up for right, fear exactly. of not have, being. I mean, I did have one moment in a less in like the lesson before I had to go and see him, where I did basically break a bit, yeah. and my the teacher knew, and he just sort of. I think oh, it was a moment of respect. He just he was not in a good mood. He was really he was looking for a bit of an excuse to to the nail me on something on some some yeah, question yeah. I obviously hadn't done for work. He just left it. Yeah. And that was a sort of moment of respect, but it was. But I think that was the only time I broke, really. It was like, I can't feel emotional about it here. I'll wait till my mum gets here and I can do. I'll freak out in the car a bit. But what, yeah, what you were saying, Lucy, about um, it being a, uh, you know, something that that you can't. um, Where was I going with this? 
essentially the point being vulnerability uh, yeah exactly vulnerability being this thing of of um a negative uh thing which is you know looked down upon and you can't show it or anything and um it's while some people uh would respect you enormously for coming out and opening up about about certain emotional problems you're having it's you're definitely right that there is still very much this environment floating around that if you do open up emotionally it's weakness it's it is exactly it's a weakness and you you have this constant fear that that people are going to think you're weak if if you if you do especially come out and just something. to bring it around a bit full circle especially in a time of exam pressure because everyone is striving to look like they're handling it mm. yeah everyone every, no one wants to everyone goes in in the morning and goes everyone goes i haven't i haven't got this i haven't got this but you know they have it you know they can handle this except no one wants to genuinely say oh i really don't know what i'm doing in that mm. exam and even if they do they won't say it out loud to, they'll say it to a, they'll say it to you like after yeah, the exam it's a, it's a weird polar contest of like who's you know who's struggling the most but also who's actually secretly doing the best you know and it yeah. really it's a match, it really it's sucks for the match, people that it, are actually struggling it really sort of screws with you as well yeah. so you you there's the whole sort of last the rundown of the exams it's sort of you trying to work out um did i find that exam hard right or, or are is people that just... screwing with me to look so they don't look vulnerable yeah yeah um i want to thank you guys very much for opening up today and your contribution to this podcast but i think we're gonna have to bring it to a close now Absolutely. uh thank you there's only so much we can expect people to listen to us yes, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but yes thank you for coming on and perhaps we'll have to thank you very much yeah. uh perhaps we'll have to make a part two in the future to see how how uh, the non-linear path has worked for you lewis but yes, um <laughs> Pete, also thank you very much for coming on, even though you had some internet difficulties partway through. So that's why you probably guys heard less of Pete today than you might have hoped, because I know that he's the true talent of this podcast. Thank, thank, thank you, Lucy, in advance for the editing that you're about to have to do. <laughs> um, and guys, don't forget to follow us on social media. Uh, these podcasts are uploaded onto Facebook and YouTube soundcloud and Castbox, i believe but we're also on twitter and instagram with the handle at qlc radio um and itunes and itunes now yay we were officially approved for itunes so that's great hopefully spotify soon but i think that you have to that's some weird shit basically um and yeah see you all next time thank you very much thank you very much thank you very much